start praying in the spirit in the morning. And do it for a little while. And then when you're done, start speaking the word of God's declaration. Start calling those things which are not as though they were. Now, Lord, see that spirit of darkness and heaviness being sliced through. Your bright, shining face is looking upon me now. You are blessing me. You are prospering me. Good health and all good things. So start, start revealing that Holy Spirit. That's our weapon in warfare. The Old Testament is the Lord's rod and staff talks about how they comfort him. Today, now we have the Holy Spirit, and that is our weapon. That's our weapon of power. So start using, start praying. I encourage you to pray in the Spirit that your day is getting going, and it will change the atmosphere. Prior to us beginning, Cheryl and I we were just chatting, and how and so on so doing, how so on so doing, and and somehow she started talking about her prayer that she prays in the morning, and as she was speaking. I can totally feel the, the presence of the Holy Spirit come in. So it's almost out there. Cool. Anybody else? Thanks for that. Seriously, anybody else has something that's just you feel your chest pounding or something? I just kept going up on YouTube during worship today that you guys just have this father heart and this mother heart and that he is saying get ready because he wants you guys to rise and shine. And he said, you guys make good decisions. I don't know that they make good decisions. So, yeah, rise and shine. Uh, 
pretty close to this. But we all we all hear it. So, but if you feel like when you hear something really coming through strong, and you know that this is not the opportunity right now, where the hearts are just kind of softened and saturated in the atmosphere of worship and the presence of the Lord, then I would encourage you to just take that step, that risk. Your faith is so R I S K. Take that risk. I mean, use the microphone so that we can record. We want to make sure we capture things. So, you know, you may get a word someday and go home, and if it wasn't recorded, you might just forget everything. Like, if you're like me, I can't remember stuff sometimes. So, yeah. Everybody good? Everybody all good? Well, okay, well, the Steve is not on my heart all week. There's this group of us that are on prayer, texting, and just, just in case, slowly we talk about that later. But if you're wondering how to turn that off for a while, if you're like, I'm tired of my phone, I'll help you with that. And then you can turn it back on. Because it's a habit that it now, just so you know. But we've, we've, uh, we've been doing this, these prayer, texting things for different prayer needs for families. And it's been something on, on our hearts for a good month. Because every family represented here goes through stuff. We all go through different degrees of trials. Some of them mild, some of them heavy. But when we come together in unity, we pray those prayers of faith. Things happen, things shift. In that atmosphere of prayer, I just really felt like the scripture. Um, we, we we had a little time of worship right that this came out. Just. That scripture, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that's a declaration to Adam, what you guys are saying. That is what the theme in my heart is right now. Is that God wants us all to have this revelation that salvation is not just for you. Coming into the kingdom was not just for you. When God rescued me in my womb almost 30 years ago, he saw not just Scott. He saw Cheryl, my brothers, my nephews and nieces, my, my mom and dad, whatever you say, but the whole extended realm of our, our, our natural family. He saw all of that, and he knew, see, in the heart of God, when he puts a seed of, of life, that ever-enduring seed of the life of the Word of God in you, that, that saves you, his plan is for it to be released out of your life and reach others, so the kingdom the rule and reign of Jesus inside of you that has just begun that salvation would now not only take over who you are, but would be extended through you, through your prayers, through your declarations, through your, your acts of love, and, and just whatever way it looks like. So it was never meant to be kept to yourself or in a little holy huddle until the rapture happens. His intent is that now through the church, Ephesians says, the manifold, the many-folded wisdom of God, the multicolored wisdom of God, would be made manifest. Now that passage talks about manifesting who he is too, the rulers and authorities and spiritual realm, but it's also in this earth that he wants us to shine. We all know Jesus said that he is the light of the world, and he turns and you are the light of the world. Therefore, go, let your light so shine before you. So there's stuff that should come out of us. And not just 
what people see in our lives, but what they feel in this from our lives. Maybe you not even know it's you. Your family members may not understand why they're feeling really convicted all of a sudden over things that's in their life that needs to go. Maybe they're wondering why they're thinking about God all of a sudden. Why they're thinking about Jesus. And is Jesus really, really true? Is the Bible really the truth? Or is it just a book of myths? You know, the arguments that, that people, you know, that could be God trying to peel back that hardness of their heart that keeps them dull and numb to the, to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. So we never know what he's doing, but we do know that our prayers, the prayers of the righteous, are powerful and effective. Powerful and effective. There is not one prayer every son and daughter in this room prays that falls on deaf ears. He hears it all. In fact, he's most likely pulling those things out of your heart because it's the prayer of his heart that he wants you to pray out. Some, somehow, for some reason, God designed it so that we could be his vessels that he could use so that he would take our mouthpiece and cause us to want to use the mouth and declare truth. Why can't he just declare it himself? And not, we can just sit around and sing songs to me. But, you know, we know the Bible says that we were created in the image and likeness of God. The one who spoke the worlds and the galaxies into existence created you and me into his likeness. And he gave us power, the power of life and death in our tongues. This little bitty muscle in our mouths that sometimes gets way out of control, kids. I'm just, gets out of control, Dad. That little thing is like a little tiny rudder on a huge ship making steer the boat in a really far off direction. So we want to make sure this thing is aiming the ship in the right direction. And there is such depth and power in our words. And God, and I believe God is waking us up to this reality. If you haven't already caught it, they didn't share you guys caught it because you said, a decade at Peace and Truth Church, and they really so that in. Is that true? Yeah. Well, some of us, we never really got, you know, the doubts of that because maybe we were told, like I was, that, well, that's name and claim it. That's, you know, that, that health, wealth, and name and claim and prosperity gospel. We don't agree with that. That's like treating God like Santa Claus. And everything you tell him you want, you accept it. But that is just like man's way of trying to neuter your voice. I won't go into the whole description yet. Oh, oh, here it is again with the word neuter. <laughs> man wants to neutralize your tongue. If he could pin you down and convince you that your words have no power, so you can speak things like death over yourself all day long, and maybe it won't ever do anything. But God wants you to know that, that He has given you a, a tool. And that tool is your tongue, it is your voice. And that's not the direction of your life. That was just a sign. That was a little bit of a That was for food, yeah. That's all. So, you know, I was just thinking about this and talking about those declarations and seeing, seeing things as already broken through. They were saying that. I just reminded you, this has all been paid for. Jesus paid the price for all of this. 
for you to have authority in your words, power, dunamis power, the power of the Holy Spirit, ruling and reigning and flowing out of your life. Jesus paid for you to have that. This open access, this open heaven atmosphere where the angelic realm can come and go on assignment and we can call for that angelic realm to go on our behalf and, and do warfare, whatever that looks like. We have access to all of that. We have access to the very throne of God. The, the Ephesians 2 says that by one spirit we have access to the Father. It's not if you earn it and try really hard, clean your life perfectly to the point where then you can come to him when all hints of shame or inadequacy is completely eradicated, then you can come to his presence and ask for things. That is not the gospel. The good news is that Jesus paid the price for you to have complete righteousness credited to you. You lack nothing in the area of righteousness. Jesus' blood has made you holy. You are holy. Not kind of messed up because I, you know, I sinned earlier when I was driving here and whiteboarded and cussed at that car in front of me. I'm not reading really that sure, but anything possible. <laughs> but God often is possible. You occasionally sin when you're a believer, but that is not what identifies who you are. That does not stop you from being able to walk in who you are. Jesus paid the price. You are now to be known by your new nature. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 4 or 5 um, that therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, the old is gone, the new has come. Therefore, we don't recognize anyone according to the old nature or according to the flesh. We don't see each other the way our natural eyes often can see stuff. It's pretty obvious when we all are. Work in progress, right? But God says you're holy, He says you're righteous, He says you are a son or a daughter that I pay a price for. And the sacrifice of Christ on the cross completely fulfilled any need for punishment for sin. Wrestle with that. Take it home and wrestle with it. If you start to feel like, but I got this madness habit or this way of thinking that needs to change. God is interested in helping you, but he is not waiting for you to fix yourself in order to be used by him. He is waiting for you and I to step into who we, who we truly are. Who we really are. You know, when we're talking about family and salvation coming to those that don't yet know him, the highest will of God in my own words, but you know, there's the will of God. The highest pinnacle of the will of God is that all men would be saved. All. His will is that all would be saved, that no one would perish. Is that true? You guys read that in the Bible before? I don't know the address, but I know I read it. It's in there. But at the bottom of that whole spectrum of God's will, we know that His will says that the soul that sins. There is consequence for sin if we don't turn to Jesus. His will is that all people would be saved. His will is that Stephen and Brian would come to know Jesus radically, 
that their lives would be so transformed that signs and miracles and wonders would flow out of their hands as they prayed for people. That they would experience the presence of God in a way they never thought they would ever know. He wants to make himself more real to your kids, to my kids, to all of the family members that we all long to see come to salvation. He sees them, and I would encourage you guys to do this sometime. See them in, in your heart, in your mind, the, in the mind, the spirit of your mind. Is that something? Spirit of your mind. In your imagination, that canvas when you close your eyes and kind of picture. See them worshiping. Just imagine what it would look like with their hands lifted high, tears coming down their face, fully surrendering their lives to Jesus the way that we have and we want to see them. Not because they're going to go to hell if they don't, but because they have no idea how good he is and how wonderful his presence is and the, the things that he has in store for those who know him. So I would encourage you just to to dream of it with God. Just to, to change your perspective from what really is now, see prophetically. You know, we, we call ourselves a apostolic prophetic foundation church. Part of being prophetic is seeing people the way God sees them. We want to see our lost family members the way He sees them. We want to see those that are close to us who are dealing with sickness and brokenness. We want to see them the way God sees them, and partner together and begin speaking that life over them. Even if you can't have them sit in front of you in what we call a hot seat, when we're in the living room, put the chair in the middle of the room, get in the hot seat, you must do it, you know, not me. Well, you can go into your bedroom all by yourself, and you can put them in the hot seat in the spirit, and you can begin to declare over them. You know, there is no distance in the Holy Spirit. When you speak over a person in His presence, is going to fall right on them. I don't have a scripture back to that, but I believe it. Makes sense. So you can argue with that. That's okay. I, I, I might confess that, yeah, that's extra biblical. That's okay. It's, it's about, we're not going to put it. Let's go down to that first slide of apostolic. And we, we went over this probably a month and a half ago. Um, and it was from Paul Manmore, he had these four points that he shared about what, what does an apostolic, prophetic culture look like in the church. And we're not going to go over all four things, but I just feel like this is going to flow right in what we're talking about. Being apostolic, so we are all apostolic, okay? I'm just going to speak it over again because it's true, and you'll see more. Being apostolic is a mindset. It's a mindset that derives from being under the teaching and influence of an apostle. There you go. Apostles are the saints. If you're under the influence and teaching of an apostle, you become apostolic. Jesus was the first apostle. So the Bible tells us that he is our, he's our great high priest. He is our chief apostle. So you are apostolic. If you belong to Jesus, just, just a moment, just take it for yourself. Okay, I'm apostolic. Doesn't mean you have to grow your hair long ways and put it in a bun and wear your dress down here and go No jewelry. That's a different kind of apostolic. So Jesus was the first apostle, which means under his teaching and influence, we become apostolic. The word apostle means sentinel. 
and was a Greek word used to describe an envoy who was sent by Rome to culturize a conquered territory, to create a home away from home. An apostolic people influence and shape the culture. So if we are apostolic and we carry heaven within us, we want to see heaven breaking into the lives of our family members. We want to see heaven coming in and ruling and in our lives, in my life, in my marriage, in, in our parenting. So to be apostolic means I want what's in heaven to come to earth. I want what's in his kingdom in perfect fullness to break in through me and manifest itself in my life and in my family and in my church. So, you know, Jesus said, they asked him, how, how should we pray? He said, this is how you should pray. Our Father. Just pause on that for a second. Just wrap your brain around that. You get to call God Father, Dad. That's pretty, pretty deep. This is not just a title. He is the one who knit you together inside your mother. He is your father. He is the father of your soul, spirit, and body. He created you. He breathed life in your body was coming together. When you were being birthed into this world, he was there smiling over your birth because he loves every one of his created works, every one of his created needs. He smiles over you and he speaks destiny. There's not one that he wants lost, not one he wants to perish. He wants every person to come to the fullness of what he has for them. His, his plan was not to bring you into a world so that you can have crud all your life and then die out of hell. That is not his will. God is a family. God's governor, the kingdom of heaven, is relational. I was going to read Isaiah 9, I have it on the slide, but I'm going to pass that one. You know, it says that, and the government will be on his shoulders, and of his kingdom it will increase and never end. You know, Jesus comes and he establishes his rule in his reign in our lives. But his kingdom and his rule, his governing of our lives, is relational. It's not, it's not like Islam, where it's all a bunch of rules and harsh things that you're going to face the sword at any point that you make a mistake. You know, it's not about rules and regulations. It's about having instant relationship with the Father. Jesus paid for you and I to come to know our Daddy God and be able to have intimacy with Him, with Jesus and with the Father and in the Holy Spirit. We have the opportunity and the privilege to have intimacy. You know, we've talked about this scripture many times. John chapter 1, verse 12 says that to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become the sons and daughters of God. We know that word right is what? Was it mean? Exousia. <laughs> you guys should know that one. <laughs> 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 
That's true. Yes, she's Greek for sure. You guys don't Greek fireball. So the Greek word for the right to become children is the, actually it's the authority, the regal authority, the royal authority. He's placed a crown of royal authority on every one of his sons and daughters. But we don't quite know that sometimes. It's a bad sentence. We don't always recognize it. There are many times throughout our life, throughout our week, that we don't feel royal. We may feel a different kind of <laughs> But we don't feel like a royal priest or a royal king. We don't feel like royal sons and daughters. So what's the next slide is about the highest purpose. So I'm plagiarizing some things. I have no idea if it's Bill Johnson or if it's Paul Manmore. I am not that good to where I can just wow you guys with quotes and phrases that all just come from my own imagination. Some of it does, you know, take credit for work. I, I can take some credit, but I want to make sure you guys know I do borrow things. As a full-time mailman, I don't study the Bible all week long in the office and pray on my knees hours upon hours. No, I pray in the spirit as I'm shoving the mail in the mailboxes and releasing the presence of the Lord I just like you guys do. But this quote was from our training manual that we did with Bethel Church through the Leadership Development Program. The first month was a, a month focused on family. And so I just pulled a few quotes that I thought were really good. So the highest purpose of the cross was not just to forgive us of sin, but by being forgiven, we would be invited into an intimate family relationship with him, our heavenly father. If we can get that into our hearts, it's not just about being forgiven. That is a big part of it. We all need to be forgiven. If there was no issue of sin, Jesus wouldn't have to go to the cross. But the cross deals with the power of sin in all of its facets, including the part where, where you go and you die. That's usually the one that gets us first. I don't want to go to hell. I live like a hell in many years, and I don't want to go there now. I want Jesus to save me and make sure I'm going to go to heaven when I die. And there's that holy fear that kind of shakes us, rattles us for the I want to go to heaven. I don't want to dare get in the car without knowing Jesus. Because if I get the wrath of God, the demons will come and carry the spirit down into the pit or something. I don't know. You guys, we all, we all know that, that way of evangelizing, and a lot of us came into the kingdom that way. But what if we really got it in our spirit that God wants his sons and daughters back? His sons and daughters are trapped in lies, they're living in an unregenerated state without God and without hope. And his heart was that the prodigals would come running home. That's his will. His heart is for them to come running. And he is not going to wait for them to get their lives perfect. He's going to come running down that road, wrap his arms around them, just like he did you and me. He's going to put a robe on you, a ring on your finger. He's going to say, we are going to party because you were lost and now you're home. In fact, he didn't even wait in that story that Jesus told for the prodigal son to give his whole prayer of repentance. He didn't even give him a chance. The guy who rehearsed everything he was going to say, 
to the Father. And we know that Jesus is giving us a glimpse of the Father's heart in that parable. He didn't have a chance to say, I screwed up, Dad, at least take me back as a slave. So we can get rid of slave mentality. We are not servants any longer. We'll use that word occasionally because we want to serve him. We want to serve like kings and rule like servants. So we want to serve him. That is not who our, our identity is. That is not what he calls you. He doesn't say, slave, now you belong to me. Yeah, Paul did say that I am a slave to Christ. And everybody's free then. Or a slave to all of Christ. Our identity is in sonship. That's what it comes down to. We're going to wrap up quick here. So as well, we're going to skip the Ephesians. Now let's go Ephesians 3. For this reason, Paul said, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. God is all about family. He is all about fathering. And fathers and mothers in the earth, and sons and daughters. More than a minister of the gospel, that's part of your identity. You get to be a minister of reconciliation. Part of your call is to be a mother and a father. To be a mother and a father. Mom, mom, dad, just look at everyone. You are all called. In God's eyes, in his dream about your life, he would see you settled in yourself as being a daughter or a son with him. Nothing's going to rip up those adoption papers to find the blood of Christ finalized you. But in that relationship, he wants to give you an inheritance. And that inheritance is seeing those baby sons and daughters raised up. He wants you to be a parent. He wants you to, to disciple. That's part of the Great Commission. Go and all the world to make disciples. I would say, not that Jesus' words are not enough, but I would just say from my own heart and what the scriptures show me, to go and mother and father them. That's what a disciple really does look like because it's all about family. It's not all about laying a list of do's and don'ts on people. We know that's what the Pharisees did. Jesus called them out and said, You're going to that twice the son of hell that you are. By putting all these rules and regulations, it's about coming into relationship with the Father. So when you are convinced of who you are in your relationship with the Father, you get to go win sons and daughters back to Maybe, maybe, maybe we'll be able to do a second half of this because I feel like there's another part of that I just don't have time to get out. And a lot of it has to do with our experience in the church. I'm just going to kind of give you the headline and maybe we'll go into it next week. But in this life, as a Christian, it's God's heart that you would see the church as your But that can become an excuse to abandon your natural family. It's God's heart that you love your natural family. I made a mistake. I'll share about that in the next week. 
But I made a mistake as he showed us how to find the balance. It's not a hierarchy of the kingdom families up here and then your natural families down here. And, you know, whatever. There, there's a balance that it's all important to him. Some of us will trade our natural family to just fall into the church. And maybe you don't have a natural family that you can fall back on. Maybe they're not safe, maybe they're broken, maybe they're not even alive anymore. That is where the kingdom family comes in. Because the Bible says in Psalm 66 that God sets the lonely or the solitary for the families. Now I said I wasn't going to start going into this. We're just going to stop. We're going to put the brakes up. They don't stand up. Shake away. All I know, my family here called the my kingdom family, is that relationship is huge on God's heart. And it's it's being highlighted right now. He wants you to know that he cares about your natural family. And he wants you to know that he cares about you seeing the body of Christ as your family as well. And you will find the strength and the life in all reflections, all aspects of what family truly is. Because he is the father to whom we bow our knees. He is the father by whom all families on the earth derive their meaning and their identity. That's why the devil is so fixed on the strong fathers. He's just fixed on the strong mother, mothers and fathers. He wants to mess up. He's a little good. All right, let's pray. So, Father, Father God, I just, I don't know if I've ever completely wrapped my mind around this, but I just, I look to you with this church, with this group of believers. We look to you, and we just say, thank you, Father. We look to you and say, Daddy God, Abba Father, thank you that we are not orphans. Thank you that we will never be alone. Thank you, Jesus, that you rescued us and you brought us into your family and you call us brothers and sisters. And you're not ashamed of it. We don't embarrass you. You're not ashamed to call us family. Thank you, Jesus. And thank you for bringing us to your Father God. We just come and we, we find our comfort, we find our hope and our security in who you say we are, Father. We thank you that you made provision for each one of us to be completely free from that old life of orphan spirit, that old life of being in bondage to slavery to the sinful nature, that whom the sun sets free is truly so we just declare over ourselves. I just declare over my life, and I encourage everybody to declare it over yourself, that who the sun sets free is free indeed. And I am free indeed. It is legal, it is finished, it is done. We thank you this day for freedom, the glorious freedom of the sons and daughters of God, of the children of God. Thank you, Lord.